welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Some of us remember life before the internet and cable TV. To get the program you wanted might mean adjusting an antenna to eliminate the static and snow so you could see and hear and understand. If we really wanted to tune in, we'd find a way. Lead teacher Randy Pope starts the new series, Hearing God in a Noisy World, with this message entitled, Why Listen? Thanks for joining us today. Well, we're launching into a new series today, so I'm going to pray, and let's prepare for that now, all right? Father, we thank you for this new series. We ask that you're going to use this in a very unusual way in our lives. We ask you, speak to our hearts. Teach us through this series how to listen and how to know when you are speaking and what it is you want to say to us. And so grant that we pray. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're talking about hearing God in a noisy world, the name of the series. Now, here's the question. Do you believe God still speaks today? Uh, Christians throughout the history of of the, uh, the church have said, well, God certainly spoke through those that would write the Word of God. And we know that's an infallible Scripture, but uh, Christians also have said throughout the history of the church, God still speaks, which means that His children, His family, should be able to hear what He has to say. Can we hear what He says? Can we have any certainty as to what God is saying? I share a story that uh, showed shared probably 10 years ago here. When I was in college, I was uh, with my roommate who actually goes here to Perimeter and teaches here, uh, John Musselman. Uh, we had a group of us that were going to a conference that was going to be down in, I don't know, several hours south of where we were and uh, in Tuscaloosa. And so we were preparing and to, to go on this trip. We were all packed and John and I were rooming together. And so we're waiting out on the, uh, on the curbside waiting for our ride to pick us up and take us to the conference. And it was the most unusual thing. I had not experienced such in this perhaps dramatic way, I don't know, uh, maybe once or twice, but I, I'm, I'm standing there waiting, all thoughts, let's go, can't wait, going to be a great weekend, and I had a sense that God spoke to me. No audible voice, no infallible word that I could say for sure, but I had such a strong sense that God was saying, don't go on the trip. There was no rationale for it. There was no reason. But it was such a deep conviction that I sensed I needed to obey that. And so when our ride came, I said, you know, I know this doesn't make sense, but I'm not going. Why not? I don't know. I don't think God wants me to go for some reason. Well, a couple hours down the road, that uh, car was in a terrible accident, and uh, one person killed, and uh, uh, two, including John, very critically injured. And, and, uh, and so I had to wonder, God, were, were you prompting me? Was that you? How would you know? I was invited when Saddam Hussein was captured. I was invited by a team out of uh, Egypt to be one of two speakers that would go into a very narrow window that was opening that would allow Christian training for the first time for the entire of Iraq. All Christian leaders were going to be invited to come together in the north part of Erbil and, and to come in. And so we were, we came into Baghdad. It was a, I mean, we were all over Iraq through the process and we knew that would be the case. And I was invited and obviously I did end up going, but 
our elders got together just to pray. And it was to discern, should I go or should I not? And we were trying to make that decision. Well, after we had met and had been briefed on everything that would be happening, and many of you know it was that was a time that Americans were being kidnapped and many were being tortured and killed, and so uh, we had to go in certainly very uh, quietly and so forth. But uh, there was debate and different thoughts of maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. And I was down in Florida the next few days speaking, and I get a phone call from one of our elders, someone that I would highly respect and trust and believe in. And he said, Randy, I, I sense God has spoken to me. I think he has uh, prompted me to call you and to tell you it's not good. You should not go. I think there's danger waiting that you need to avoid and so forth. And I remember that time I did not tell Carol about that call, but I had a sense that it was the right thing. And I went and everything went great. There was no problem whatsoever. It was a wonderful training experience for the people of Iraq. And for me, it was a wonderful experience. And I come home safely. So did God speak to this man? Did he miss or did God speak? How do you determine when God is speaking? And that's a question that many, many Christians are needing to find the answer to. And so that's what we're going to do over the next week. We're going to explore that. We're going to look at many different aspects of it. We're going to talk about, starting next week, counterfeit voices. There are voices that will sound very, very much like God. And it won't be God speaking. We need to identify counterfeit voices. We need to talk about hindrances. Uh, what are the hindrances that stop us from being able to clearly hear when God does speak? And then we want to talk about, lastly, guidelines. What are the guidelines that, that we walk through to figure out, okay, now I can discern pretty carefully that this is or is not the right thing to do when Scripture doesn't speak to it? So that's the type of things we're going to be covering. Now, I know we've got a lot of you kids here. And usually uh, many of you would be in our kids' quest on a given week-to-week -week basis. And since we got so many kids and I want to keep your attention, I know I've got to be brief and I've got to be interesting. And I found out that those two usually don't work even there. So I usually have to throw money at the project to make it work. And uh, if you've been around here at Christmas Eve, we always uh, give money to kids that can respond and know the answers. And I don't have the time to do that today. And I always moans when I say that, but I really am going to challenge your parents to do that, that they would help in this process. So, <laughs> so uh, we can't make them do it, but you can urge them strongly. And uh, if you gripe and complain a whole lot, they're probably more likely to participate. So uh, feel free to do whatever it takes, not seriously. But here's what I encourage you to do. I want you to listen. I'm going to summarize the three points that I'm going to make. Now, there are four in the outline. The fourth is really a summary. The first three, I'm going to summarize with one simple, easy, easy word. And I'm going to challenge you parents of the camp kids and the young kids that are here. I'm going to encourage you to have a discussion with them afterwards. And if they can identify those three words and give some identity to why and what they mean at all, that you would, you know, give them something. If them to remember and know these three could benefit their life and bless you as a parent in ways you'll never know. Trust me on that one. Now, kids, I think it should be that you have the right to turn around and ask your parents if they can give the meaning and understanding of these three. And if they can't, they should pay you double what you would have gotten. So <laughs> y'all negotiate as best you can. And I know some of y'all are very, very good at negotiating. So uh, do whatever it takes, but remember these three words. So let me give you the three words first to make it as simple as possible, okay? The first word that I want you to remember is the word everything, everything. We're talking about God's will. 
God's will includes everything. The second word is the word different. God's will is so very often different from what our will for us really is. So different is the second word. And the third word is the word better. Better. God's will always better than our will when they differ. Okay? And I'm going to break those apart. What I'm going to encourage, or at least not encourage, but at least invite you kids, uh, I'm going to speak for just a few minutes on each of those points. And I'm going to invite you, if you'd like, to check out. You don't have to listen to anything I say. But I'm going to call you back for about 30 seconds to a minute at the very end of each of those points to kind of wrap it up for you, to kind of speak in your language a little bit, to kind of explain that point. And uh, hopefully you'll get that. Okay? Can we, uh, just kids, can we, uh, can we review those three words together? I'm going to invite you to, to say them with me. The first word is the word everything. So together, everything. The second word is the word different. So together, different. The third word is the word better and together, better. All right? Those will be our three words. Now, good night, kids. Go ahead. You can leave. <laughs> you adults, let's unpack it a little bit here. Why listen? First of these three reasons. God's will encompasses every detail. Our kids are going to think of the word everything, but every detail of our lives. Do you believe that? Every detail? Every detail includes things such as suffering and death, sin, disaster, pain. Do you know that if you do not believe that, you are with the vast, vast majority of all mankind. You would be in agreement. I would even suggest that you're in the majority of Christians today in this world. At the same time, it, it's only fair to say that the majority of the teachers of God's truth through the history of the Bible, the total sum of every writer of Scripture under inspiration of God believe that every detail, every detail was under the will of God. That is very hard for you and me to understand, and we'll understand that better in the next point. But the point is, throughout, it's called God being sovereign. Sovereign's an interesting term. Sovereign is going to suggest that if God is sovereign, that he, first of all, knows all things. So I'll put that up. He knows all things. Do you know the Bible says in Matthew 10 that he knows the very number of the hairs on our head? The Bible says that if a sparrow falls from the heaven, God knows that that sparrow has fallen. Isn't that interesting? It says that he knows our thoughts, he knows our ways, he knows our deeds, he knows everything. That we can't hide anything from him. That's the clear teaching of the Bible. But it doesn't just say that God knows everything. The Bible also very clearly teaches that he plans everything. So we put that up. God knows, God plans all things. The Bible pretty much is going to say that throughout. In fact, you know an interesting place, if you go to the book of Acts in chapter 2, 
It talks about the death of Jesus being in the predetermined plan of God. Do you know that is an act of injustice, of pain, suffering, and death? But it says it's in his very plan. If you go to the fourth chapter, it says when it's talking about Jesus, among all of those that were against Jesus, that it was the plan of God, and it says the predetermined plan of God that they would oppose him and be against him. Isn't that interesting? It kind of shakes our thinking about this idea of God. Is he sovereign? It's going to make a whole lot of difference when we come to thinking about the will of God. Because not only does the sovereignty of God mean that he knows and he plans, but it means that he controls all things. He actually controls everything. We see in Scripture an interesting text in Ephesians 1, and it says that uh, uh, the works, he does all the works of all things after the counsel of his own will. Everything. Some of you have heard the, uh, the story of the Delta, Mississippi landowner and had all his property and land, had all these people working for him, and he had one man that had worked for his father, now much older than him as a young owner of the property, but uh, the man's name was Sam. And Sam was older in retirement years, but still working around the family, and he says, Sam, you've never been up in an airplane, have you? He says, no, sir, I've never been up in an airplane. He said, well, Sam, I fly a plane, as you know, and I want to take you up and see the beauty of God's great creation, and I want you to see it from above. He says, no, sir, I don't get up in airplanes. I don't do that. He said, I don't understand. He said, I just don't get up in airplanes. He said, well, Sam, let me ask you a question. Aren't you a Christian? He said, oh, yes, sir. You know I love my Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Well, Sam, don't you believe then as a Christian that when your time comes, your time comes? He said, oh, yes, sir, with all of my heart, I believe. When my time comes, my time comes. He said, well, Sam, I'm confused. You say you're a Christian, and you know when your time comes, your time comes, but you won't get up in an airplane. Why not? He said, you don't understand, boss. We may get up there, and your time may come. <laughs> now, that's a bit the way some of us embrace the sovereignty of God. Oh, he's over everything, but... I ain't buying it all the way. But very important to understand, God is sovereign. His will encompasses everything. Doesn't it behoove us to learn the will of God if all things are known, planned, and controlled by God? All right, kids, let me invite you in to the end of this first point, okay? What I'm talking about now is that there's nothing that's going to happen. Whatever happens on the playground for you, what happens in the, the schoolroom, uh, whatever is good or bad, you can look and see that God is over all. But by the way, it doesn't mean that he likes all the things that are bad and take place. We often talk around here that, that uh, God uh, allows, you could use that word, or even he decrees what he often hates to accomplish what he loves. And so once we begin to understand this, it's going to make a big difference. I'm going to challenge you kids this. For the rest of your life, you keep searching this and ask the question, do I believe that God's will encompasses everything? And if you embrace that fully in your heart and you walk through life with that belief, 
your life is going to be far richer and better than you would ever imagine otherwise. That is a big, big, big issue. It starts here in the mind, and then it carries to the heart and your experience of life, okay? So that's number one. Let's look at number two. The second point reads like this. God's will for us is usually radically different from our own. And there are kids, the word different. His will and our will are going to be very, very different. What it's saying is that we don't think like God. Well, we aren't God. Now, there's a text in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It reads like this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here's what's happened. Man came into this earth when God created man. When he put him here on this earth, man and woman, ability to hear God absolutely perfectly clear. But when man chose to go his own way against God, what we call sin, then at that point our hearing is impaired. God still speaks just as clearly. But now we have a very difficult, we just can't even understand. We can't make it, just everything is, is wrong. We can't get it. Then God does something called redemption. And redemption is where God comes in and gives his son to pay the penalty for our sin. And when we are invited and embraced coming into the kingdom of God, coming into his family, we should call that, when that happens, then we have this ability to hear that's made alive again, not perfectly, because we're still not perfect people. We're treated by God as if we're perfect by his love, but we're not perfect until we die and we're with him once again. But during this time of redemption, God gives us what's called the Holy Spirit. It's a person of the Godhead. It's God's spirit to indwell us. And when he indwells us, we now have a new ability to hear. This is how it's put in John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. And that's a little awareness that we get there that, oh, God is going to speak through his spirit to us. I'm going to suggest when I heard the prompting of God, that that was his spirit working to prompt me. And that would be the teaching of scripture at that point. Now, what you need to know is this, is that our thinking and God's thinking are so different. His thinking literally cuts across the grain of human logic. It really does. Let me give you examples. For instance, we say to live, you live it up. You want to have fun? Then you go out and just live it up. Do what you want to do that feels good. God comes along and he says, you want to live? Oh, by the way, you got to die. Huh? Yeah, you die to yourself. What do you mean? Die to your own life and dreams and wishes and live for God's. Watch what happens when you die to yourself and live to him. Watch how life becomes so rich and sweet. We tend to say, to be saved, you got to be good. That's what I grew up when I was your kids' ages. That's what I thought. You just got to be good. And then we realize God says, oh, no, it's just the opposite. You've got to come to the place that you admit, I cannot be good enough. There's nothing I can do good enough. You've got to do for me what I can't do for myself. That's how a person becomes a Christian. You and I tend to think, to have, then get it, hold on to it. And the more you got, the better. 
God comes along and says, if you really want to have, then give. In fact, give and it shall be given to you. Wow, that seems backwards. Or how about this? We tend to think that things just happen by chance. God's word comes along and says, no, not at all. It's part of a a design, a perfect design. It just goes on and on and on. I could go on, just it never ends. It cuts right across the grain. So now, kids, can I invite you back in for a minute? We're talking about that God's will is different from our will. Here's what I suggest, kids, that for the rest of your life, you remember this, that when you are finding something that you really, really, really want to do in the biggest way, but at the same time, there's a sense, a feel, almost like a little voice saying, that's wrong, you shouldn't do it. But you know to do it would be fun and would gain friends and popularity and all kind of thrills. And you know it's going to make you feel better. Don't believe that it won't make you feel better. It will. But only for a very short period of time. And ultimately, it's going to hurt you so badly you'll regret it forever. So when you have this sense of, I know I shouldn't, but I really want to. Or your parents say, when you really want to do it, and they go, "Uh uh-uh. Don't do that. And you know you can get away and do it anyway. Know this. It is going to be so harmful to you because God's ways are different than man's ways. You're going to always have this problem of conflict. I want what's going to hurt me. Remember that. Okay, kids? Let's move to number three. The third point reads like this. God's will is far superior. And kids, I'm going to use the word better there. It is far better than our own. I know this, that those that are seekers, and I use that term to refer to people who are trying to figure out Christianity and just trying to seek the answer. I know this, that the big thought behind us is this, oh, oh, I'm afraid if I really follow God, he's going to mess me up so badly. He's going to ruin my life. I understand that. It's not just seekers that think that. You know, a lot of us as the members of this church believe that. A lot of us are actually thinking, I know I should, but it's going to mess me up if I really obey God there. Not true. It just is not true. I remember when I was a student, I was introduced to what's called the gospel, the good news. And I was told that it was not what I do for God, but what he does for me. And that once I truly come into relationship, that I'll know that because I'll follow him. And I think follow him, that means I've got to live like a Christian doing all the good things and not doing the fun things. Now, I was always a very logical kid. That was my mindset. In fact, I went on to be a math major because that was the way my mind was wired. Just be logical. And my logic as a youngster was this, okay, how long am I going to live? You know, I might live till I'm really, really, really old, maybe 45 or 50, who knows. (laughs) And if I even live to be ancient, you know, 60 or 70 or whatever, you know, the reality is that that's just so many years. And eternity means forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Well, why wouldn't I be miserable for that number of years, whatever that is, and then be happy for all that forever and ever and ever? Well, that just made sense. So I went into Christianity assuming things are not going to be fun anymore, but I can, I can do it. I'll just stick in there. Well, I, was, I did find out to become a Christian meant that I 
couldn't and shouldn't and wouldn't do a lot of things that would have been more fun. But I found out to my great surprise and stand on that to this day that by following him, I found something that was so far superior to anything I could have ever done, to anything I could ever be forbidden of. But now I say, oh my goodness, how much better is life? I think often, how? How do you live life without what I enjoy as a Christian? Knowing God. We buried little Caitlin this week. I'll assure you this. How many conversations among Christians, among the family I know, how would we do this without being Christians in the family of God? Oh, my goodness. So, kids, can I invite you back in right now? Here's the point. The word is better. God's will is going to always be better. And I want you to remember this, that when you begin to follow God's will, if you listen carefully and do what you believe he would have you to do and follow in his ways, then you're going to find out that you will go through some very rough times, maybe initially, maybe relationally. Who knows when you don't do what the things other kids want to do? But you remember this. Don't ever forget it. There's waiting for you something so far better than what they've got, than what they'll ever know. You remember, God's will is always better. Now we can just bring summary to it. The fourth point is nothing but a summary statement, and that is this. Why listen? Unless we hear God, we will fail to experience God's best for our life. As I conclude, let me suggest that there are some gifts that God has for everyone who are his followers. They're four of the biggest of all gifts that every one of us want to experience. The first is salvation. The second is assurance of salvation. The third is going to be just spiritual growth, growing up as a Christian. And the fourth is going to be confidence in life decisions being able to be confident. Imagine if you had those four and you were certain you had those four. Would you not have the greatest gifts that man has ever been offered? Well, what we're going to do is in this series, we're going to walk through and we're going to figure out these things. And I'm going to invite you to start a pilgrimage for these weeks of the series. Come whenever you can. If you can't come, go online, listen to the podcast of it. It's free of charge. Go to perimeter.org and listen. And if you don't have salvation, I'm going to invite you that you begin spending time alone this week, maybe 30 minutes if you could find alone and quiet. Tune out everything you can. Maybe you're driving in a car. Don't turn on the radio. This time, just turn it off and say, I'm going to, I'm going to drive in quiet. And you start trying to hear what God would say about salvation. If you think, I believe I'm a Christian, but I don't have confidence, then do the same regarding assurance of salvation. If you think, I know I'm a Christian, but I'm not growing, do the same thing about your Christian growth. If you're growing and you've got some big decisions in life, then say, God, I want to listen to you. Start trying to turn out the other noises as much as possible and just invite God to speak. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to view this as a training session. I'm going to try to coach and train you to the art of listening to God. I close with these stories. When I was in, when I was in uh, uh, high school and moving toward college, I had a night in bed that was a, it was a life-turning night for me. I know it was. 
I'd had a pursuit in my heart and desire for years. I wanted something more than anything in life. I wanted to pursue a particular area of life. And I thought that's where I should and would go. But that night, during the night, as I was going to bed, I had a sense that God was speaking to me. It was such a deep sense, and it was telling me everything I didn't want to hear. It was saying, I want you to go a different direction. I sweated profusely, even though the temperature was not hot. I turned and tossed. I didn't sleep till maybe four in the morning. And it was at that hour, whenever that hour was, that I finally said, God, I surrender. And I did it because I'd been blessed to have people older than me, like I'm older than most of you kids. Really, all you kids. <laughs> most of you. I'd been taught. Remember this, God's will includes everything. His will is often different than what you think is best. And his will is always better. And when I came to that, I said, I surrender. And I went to sleep. Never pursued that route of life and have never regretted one time that I didn't. When I was dating Carol, I very much wanted, if to be married, to be married to Carol but I didn't want to be married. I didn't think it was the right thing. Not what I thought would be what I wanted and so forth. And, and um, I know that God spoke to me about that. I know that he led me to say, no, you are to be married. I knew who it would be. I just didn't know when. But when I found out I should be married, I took a different route than I was planning. I'll never regret that I did it. So how do you hear God? How do you know? We know it's not infallible. So those are the type of things that we're going to try to pursue. Next week, we're going to talk about the uh, counterfeit voices and try to begin to understand how do we discern if these are the wrong voices that we're listening to. Feelings tell us a lot that's often not true. So as we close, come for the series. I hope you'll be a part of it. Remember this, whenever in question about anything, go back to the cross of Jesus Christ and look what he's done. Always remember it's not what you do for him It's what he has done for you. And when you embrace his work for you, having died on the cross, that's when life begins. We hope the pursuit of life for many of you will be found right here. And for those of us that are already in life, found a a new life in him, that this is going to be a very important series that will take us to understanding how to hear God in a noisy world. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the fact that we can start this series and Understand that there's good reason to learn how to listen to you, and we want to learn to do that. Some of us for the first time, and some of us just to learn better how to listen to you. Would you bless the series? Would you protect our schedules, protect our minds, everything, Lord, that we might be able to walk through the series and come to the end and be able to say, I do believe I understand how to hear you better now. And may we listen. Give us hearts that want to obey when we hear And particularly, God, all these kids, may your blessing fall on them. May they grow up as adults being mighty men and women of God that are used of you in a profound way, even some of them beginning at camp. Bless the camp and all that that we do there. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. 
Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.